Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your host, Jay Puma, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, the Puma, and the Pro Football Radio senior contributor, Eric Burgess, a.k.a. the Burgess. Welcome in, Podcast 89, week one of the NFL season is here. Let's go! What is off? Dude, I, I don't know about y'all, I've been sitting at work all day, one, just looking forward to actually doing this with you guys. And two, we actually get to talk about a game. We're not talking about preseason. We're not talking about the threes versus the twos and all that bullshit. We are actually talking about games that actually matter. I'm friggin' excited, if none of you guys can tell. And, uh, Birch, how are you feeling over there? Dude, uh, I'm excited. You know, we're finally not talking about practice. We're talking about the game. <laughs> not a game. We're talking not about the game. game. <laughs> we're talking not a practice we're talking about a game you know i've been uh you know just the past weekend you know we just had a lot of time at, at work and i just only thing on my mind was like let's get to next sunday so we can get it well actually thursday with the you know tom brady but you know right. we get to the sun you know all this 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 football is back you know it's the best time of year that's starting to get cooler out you know fall's my favorite time of year so you know i'm i'm super pumped and obviously was looking forward to all day to be back in doing a you know a game preview with you guys. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. On the agenda for today's podcast, um, we're gonna break down a few games for you guys. The first one being the NFL season kickoff between the Cowboys and Buccaneers. We'll talk about rookie Mac Jones getting his first start against the Dolphins. Uh, we've got a divisional round uh, rematch as well between the Browns and the Chiefs. We'll break that down. And finally, we'll hit on the Monday Night Football game between uh, the Baltimore Ravens and Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Baltimore Ravens and Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, we'll also throw in a couple of takes to the banks, and then we're gonna have the fantasy section with uh, fantasy section with Burge as well. But before all that, I want to go ahead and welcome the junior contributor of the podcast, making his debut this week, Parker Burgess. The seed, the apple of the eye of Orange Burgess. I love how you let off with the seed. We couldn't go with the apple of the eye. <laughs> Parker wow, Burgess is going to make, make his picks as well this week and his pops, uh, which is Eric Burgess, is going to give those uh, those picks for So welcome to the podcast, little man. Oh, yeah. You know, it's fun, you know, getting to do that with him today and, uh, you know, getting to... Uh, Get him involved in uh, some picks for the week, and uh, hopefully it'll be a, a season-long thing. And hopefully he uh, he doesn't do better than me because that'd be kind of embarrassing, <laughs> to say the least. So, well, usually yeah, how real excited. go, he probably will be better than all of us. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> usually the random shot is better than us trying to think we know what we're talking about. <laughs> yes, all right, let's talk some football. Um, Cowboys versus Buccaneers, eight uh, twenty Thursday night season opener um what do you guys think in regards to this game what's your analysis who's winning give me the full rundown but when you want to go first yeah i'll go first uh i mean it's going to be a ratings bonanza you have tom brady and the buccaneers defending super bowl champs and you have air quote america's team going into raymond james <laughs> stadium coming off of the hard hitting you know, hard knock season, which really I only watched half an episode of the first episode. But that's beside the point. Actual game preview. Dak is back. He's had some shoulder issues. Uh, this is kind of chronicled in, in hard knocks. You know, goes back and forth between uh, a strain and shoulder fatigue and whatnot. So that's a little bit concerning. But Dak is back. We're going to see how this offense looks like with their franchise guy back underneath uh, underneath center. 
but like the bigger concern here is this offensive line, which was already in shambles last season, and they look to be somewhat improved going into this game. Uh, a couple of days ago, uh, we found out that Zach Martin's going to miss because uh, he is in the COVID protocols. Uh, he tested positive uh, yesterday, September 6th. Um, he's more than likely going to miss. He's still symptomatic, so that offensive line takes a huge blow. And uh, I, I think this is going to be a scoring bonanza because this Dallas defense is still awful with the capital A. I mean, they were 26th total defense uh, last year. I'm sorry, 23rd total defense last season. And their big upgrade was getting Dan Quinn as their new defensive coordinator, which Listen, we can all agree that anything's an upgrade over Mike Nolan from last year, <laughs> but let's just look back in the totality of the last couple of seasons of the Atlanta Falcons defense with Dan Quinn under helm. I'll pause for your reaction. There's nothing to react to. It was hot garbage. So this is going to be a high-scoring game. Tampa Bay, I, the band's back together. They're all vaccinated. They're, they're going to roll, and this is a gut instinct. Uh, I think this is going to be an Antonio Brown coming out party, uh, especially with Chris Godwin popping up on the injury report today with uh, with a, a quad issue. I think Antonio Brown's probably going to have himself a day. I don't have any stats to back it. It's a gut call, but I think this is going to be um, a bonanza. I like Tampa Bay to win. The spread right now is eight. The over-under is 52. I'm taking Tampa Bay with the points, uh, laying the points, and I'm taking the over in this game too. Now, did you guys see that uh, Antonio Brown didn't practice today due to a knee injury? No, but I didn't see that, but mm. fuck it. He's yeah. going to push through. <laughs> so I saw that. Both he's going to push Godwin through because he's my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, some good, uh, that's a good reason right there. But I saw that both uh, Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown kind of popped, uh, popped up on the injury report. But listen, I think, Puma, you're right. I think the Buccaneers are going to win this. It's going to be hard for the Cowboys to go into Tampa Bay and beat the you know Tom Brady-led team on opening night when they're you know dropping the, the Super Bowl banner. So, you know, one of the strengths of the Buccaneers the front seven and the ability to stop the run game, especially without Zach Brown being there. Um, so I think with, uh, with the front seven slowing down Ezekiel Elliott, uh, that's going to really force uh, Dak Prescott to throw the ball. Now, what I want to see is I want to see how well Dak Prescott moves on that ankle, you know. And if I'm the defenders, I'm going to try to, you know, either lunge at his feet, uh, make him feel a little uncomfortable, move him off his spot, see how well he can move with that injury, right? I mean, obviously, we all know from everything we hear, he's doing fine and he's back now. But, you know, there's a difference in feeling fine in practice and going out to game speed and having bodies fly all over you. On the other end, I want to see how the Bucks' offense is uh, is going to pick up from where it left off last year, right? I mean, obviously, we all know the story by now. They were 7-5 throughout the middle of the year. Uh, a little up and down, herky-jerky, but they really turned the offense over to Brady for the last eight games, and they went on that magical run to win the Super Bowl. So I want to see where they pick up uh, in regards to some of the new additions that came along. Gio Bernard, I want to see how he fits into the system. Um, he's going to be that, you know, that James White as third down catch out of the backfield back for Brady. He loves those guys. And then I want to see what OJ Howard looks like. Obviously, he had that mm. torn Achilles last year. And physically speaking, you know, if he's healthy, he is the most physically dominant um, tight end on that roster, right? He's better than Gronk at, the, at his advanced age. He's probably better than uh, the rest of the guys as well. So if OJ Howard is fine and he can move like he used to before his injury, I, I think this offense just becomes even more diverse. At the end of the day, this is my take it to the bank. Bucks win 35-24 and covered the eight-point spread. Um, and uh, I think the, the Bucks are off to the races after that. So I'm going to be on my island again over here. I'm huh? starting uh, the year off on a good uh, note. Uh, is this more no, Brady I, coming? 
He just doesn't want to start vomiting in his his mouth, you know, saying he gets uh, picked on Brady. Nope, 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 nope. All right, you got the floor. I'm very, I'm very excited to see what Dak looks like going into this game. You know, before he got hurt last year, that offense was was a machine. You know, they were, you know, putting up yards and points, you know, fast. And I, I like to think that him coming back is going to re, you know, reinvigorate that offense. Um, you know, they have, you know, three wide receivers who are really good, and Cooper, Ceedee Lamb. I expect him to take another step forward this year. And Michael Gallup, who's kind of the forgotten guy there, but before C.D. Lamb was there, was a very effective receiver for them. Mm-hmm. Um, defensively for the Cowboys, I'm really excited to see what Micah Parsons does coming in. Um, you know, you know, going back to the draft, he was one guy I had you know my eyes on for you know the Patriots to take in the first round. I really like what he brings to the team. Um, you know, on the Buccaneers side, like you guys said, you know they're bringing everybody back. You know, they're dropping the, the banner down there in, T- in Tampa Bay, celebrating their Super Bowl victory from last year. Um, I think that this game could go ver- either way. I, I, the, the office, obviously, the absence of Zach Martin is a, is a concern for the, for the Cowboys. Um, but I like to think that they're going to kind of, you know, at least put up a fight in this game. You know, the eight-point spread for me is, is, you know, way too much. So if, if I'm picking, you know, a betting man in this game, I'm taking, I'm taking the Cowboys with the points, getting the eight points in this game. Like I said, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. And, you know, I'll pick the Cowboys to win, win you know, a field goal game here. Okay. Wow. All right. Oh, and uh, going on my island. Oh, and then, uh, you know, for the first uh, first pick of the junior contributor, Parker Burgess, into the uh, into the podcast here, he also selected the Dallas Cowboys to win this game because that was the peanut butter puff that he enjoyed more. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? It's going to probably be better than all of us. That's why I'm not going against him. <laughs> Now, if we break down that video you sent us, it seems like you're trying to get into no, the no, Cowboys no. very heavily. No, I mean, no, no, there no. There seems to be some sort of built-in bias there. <laughs> you watch the video. He actually scoots over to the Buccaneers logo and then reaches for the Cowboys logo. Mm, so uh, you'll fake out, huh? You, uh, yeah, he's, he's like, you know what? I, I think it's going to be a closer game than people think. All right. All Going right. with the so- underdog. And uh, Nandamakasu, he will be back. He was activated, so he'll be starting. Uh, he'll be starting uh, Thursday night too. So yeah. Now, is there a chance that Zach Mark could also come back and play Thursday night, or is he basically done? Is it basically? I think he's stone? out. He's basically out. I mean, he would have to. He he wouldn't have. He, he couldn't be symptomatic, and then he needs uh you know two negative COVID tests uh, within what was it like twenty four hours. I mean, he would have essentially needed that yesterday uh, to right. even have a chance at, at, at getting in on Thursday. And I mean, just looking through some of the beat reporters and some of the pressers too. I mean, it, it seemed like fate accompli. They're they're just going to put Zach Martin in mothballs for Week One. Whatever happens, happens, and uh, they'll they'll hopefully have him back for Week Two. Yeah. And the rookie I'm keeping an eye on is uh, is that uh, linebacker that the Buccaneers select in the first round. Uh, Joe Tryon uh, out of Washington. A dude's 22 years old, 6'5", 260 pounds. He's long, wiry. Um, his tape, uh, obviously being in the Pac-12, he's not going up against the best competition. But anytime you watch his tape, the guy jumps off the board. Um, so if he can contribute and give you just that extra push alongside of JPP and Sue and the rest of that, Vita Vey and all those guys, I mean, that, that front four is going to be absolutely insane to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was the uh, first round pick for the uh, for the Cowboys? Was that Diggs kid out of Alabama, right? Parsons. Parsons. Parsons, oh, Parsons this year. Yeah, yeah. Last year was Diggs. Mm. 
Do you guys expect Diggs to take a uh, step up this year and kind of really solidify that secondary, or is this still going to be throw a party on, on, on those guys? Honestly, I think this is going to still be a pinata party on that defense. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if Diggs steps up, there's just there's so many holes there. I mean, Leighton Vanderesh can't stay healthy. Sean Lee, I don't. Even, I think he did, did. I know, like in the off season, he was mulling retirement. I don't know if he actually pulled the pin. You know, Dan Quinn is Dan Quinn. Uh, Tank, you know, Demarcus Lawrence. Like, I, they're all just a bunch of talk. Like until they yeah. start showing me something, signs of life on defense. You know, like stopping a bloody nose. Then I'll start buying into it. But, I mean, Diggs might be able to step up, but everyone else is going to let that kid hang out to dry. Yeah, yeah I, think, I, think, I, think, mm -hmm. I think Jerry Jones agrees, you know, with you, Puma. Like, I think if you remember at the draft, they traded out of the 10th spot after Patrick Sertan II went number 9. So I think mm -hmm. that they were targeting a defensive back, not necessarily targeting the linebacker Parsons in the draft. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, they, you know, they, they obviously see a uh, – a level of concern with that secondary. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the only way the Cowboys are going to be able to win this year is just outscore um, the opponents, right? Yeah, yeah. Pretty and much. I mean, we've seen yeah. it. We've seen it last year too. I mean, even when Andy Dalton and Ben DiNucci and <laughs> and someone you know named this other quarterback here. Uh, I mean, Kellen. You know, Kellen Moore. He he would throw. He would throw regardless of the score. I mean, especially if they're down. Like he, you know, Zeke Elliott was neutered the rest of the season. Especially didn't help when he kept fumbling with the long sleeves mm -hmm. on. But beside the point, they were so far out of game sometimes that you, you know Ben DiNucci's throwing the football forty five times. Mm -hmm. Andy Dalton's throwing the football forty five times. So I mean, they're gonna have to throw. They're gonna. It's gonna be an arms race. They're gonna have to throw and keep up and. You know, for people that bet the over, it's, you know, nothing is out of sight for, for betting an over in a Dallas game. But, I mean, in real-life football, yeah, they're going to have to throw unless this defense shows signs of life. I'm also curious to see how much they involve Tony Pollard in the uh, in the offensive game plan. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was, he was definitely solid last year when Zeke was having his issues and when he was hurt. Um, you know, he stepped right in and took right off. So I'll be curious to see how they, how they balance that, you know, mm -hmm. obviously in this game and going forward. All right, um, let's move on to the uh, Miami Dolphins traveling up to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots. Uh, Sunday, 425, a game that me and Burge, and actually Puma as well, is uh, yeah. you know, all looking well, forward to. Well, 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 right, come go. on now. Oh, here we go. Come on now. Just when um, I was going to give you the floor first. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you, gang. <laughs> take no, it away, I just, like your, I just like your kid. I just like your kid. All right? <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Birds. You go first. You you lead off. <laughs> now, actually, actually, actually before before you do go, Birds, the Puma, are you wearing a Finch jersey on Sunday or are you going with the Josh Allen jersey? Which one are we going with? Josh Allen, get out of here. Don't even ask him. Yeah, I'll go with I'll go with Danny Marino. Okay. I'll go with All the right. the Danimal. Uh -huh. okay. I don't believe it. Uh, I'm busting. Well, I'll take a picture for you, Birds. I'll be watching it from the <laughs> office. Right on Twitter. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm busting out the number twelve Brady jersey, so you know that's that's where I where I'm uh, lying at. And, and I assume you know Burgess is probably gonna get that old beat up, you know, uh, cut up hoodie out of the closet. He's gonna wear that, right? No, I'll pull I'll pull out my red Brady jersey. Let's go, let's go. I'll pull it out. I'll post it on Twitter for you. You'll see it. Oh, here we you go. Think I hate him? You think I hate him? Keep going. <laughs> All right, Pat Patriot. What's your take on this game? What is it? It's at four four oh five or four twenty five? 
425. Right? 425. Yeah, 425. game. I, I, I'll just start off saying that I am very excited for the season after what we dealt with last year. There's a lot of optimism around New England, around this team. You know, so going into this, you know, Pats at home, you know, I, I hate playing the Dolphins down in Miami. They, that always scares me, but the Pats being at home, first game back, it's going to be very exciting to see what Mac Jones has in this game. Very excited to see what Johnny Smith brings and obviously the defense. Now, the key to the game for me is going to be how comfortable does Mac Jones look in there? What kind of position does this team, does the coaching staff put him in in this game? I think that they're going to be very conservative in terms of what they ask him to do. They're going to run the ball heavy here. They have a great running attack. Their entire offensive line is there. Uh, Hunter Henry came out, you know, it sounds like he's going to be good to go. You know, we didn't, we didn't see him all preseason, which was kind of a disappointment because he got hurt. Hopefully that's not a recurring theme throughout the season. So I, I really like what the front seven of the Patriots is bringing to the table. Um, you know, obviously I'm going to be a homer here and pick my Patriots to win, covering the three points. Uh, looking at it from the other side is going to be what kind of two top I'm not even going to say his last name. Tua's, uh, what kind of Tua is going to show up on for the Dolphins on, on Sunday? Is he going to be out there slinging the ball around, or is he going to be, you know, a little timid? Or are they going to be, you know, is he going to be throwing picks like he was last year? We'll see if he takes his step forward. But I'm going with the Patriots in this game. You know, I'm I, I'm not picking against my guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Puma, Alrighty. Um, so I'm going to God. I'm going to roll with the Dolphins to, to win outright. I mean, the spread right now is three points. I think they cover. I think they're going to win outright. Here's my thing. The only reason why I say that is I think this secondary with, with Brian Flores, um, I think he's going to be able to, you know, they're going to be able to disguise some things to, you know, kind of rattle Mac Jones a little bit enough to, you, you know, we're going to have to score on the defensive side of the football if we're going to win this game. And in order to do that, Flo has to kind of throw the kitchen sink at this kid. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we saw this last year. You know, Miami does not have a run game. We have not had a run game, honestly, since smoking Ricky Williams retired from the Miami Dolphins. And everyone scoffs, but, I mean, name another running back that had success, you know, after Ricky Williams. It's like, I'll wait because I can't think of any. I mean, Miles Gaskin had, had you know, he shot, he shined last year. Then he went down for COVID. And he had a really bad bout of it. He was out for, you know, two to three mm-hmm. weeks because of COVID and whatnot. Uh, but, I mean, you know, uh, Omar Kelly, he covers the, the Dolphins for the Miami Sun Sentinel. He was on NFL Network, uh, NFL Radio last night. Uh, and he said it himself, uh, th- this offensive line for Miami – you know, being kind was average, but like with Austin Jackson, he might miss because he, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is in the COVID protocols. He's vaccinated. The game's on a Sunday. He stands a chance to maybe start, but if not, they're going to have to move some, you know, pieces around and you factor in two as a left-handed quarterback that even more hamstrings who you can move from the right side to the left side to fill that void. Um, and the wide receiver position for the Dolphins, Jalen Waddle is really the only healthy guy out there, and healthy is kind of in air quotes because I think he was dealing with some soft tissue injuries. Uh, Will Fuller is going to miss, uh, not just because of the suspension, but because he has a hamstring issue. Shocker. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Preston Williams, he's uh, coming off the knee surgery, but in camp he had a Liz Frank issue going on. Um, and, 
it's just it's kind of up in the air right now on the the pass catchers. So I mean, Jalen Waddle's going to be involved early and often. So you know, Burge, you might agree with me on this. Fire up Jalen Waddle for fantasy purposes, especially if it's PPR, because Tua has to throw the ball to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, long story short, like I said, it's going to be close. We're going to have to score on the defensive side of the football for the Dolphins. Um, but I, I, I like the Dolphins to win in Foxborough. The spread's three. Obviously, I'm taking them to cover that if they're winning. The over/under is 44. Uh, actually, it came down to 43 and a half. I still I like the under in this game. It's going to be close. If you bet the under, you might have a heart attack. But I'm taking the under in this game too. Yeah, yeah, Puma, you're right. Listen, they don't have a, a consistent running game unless you're playing the Patriots. Because last year, when the Dolphins played the Patriots in was a week 15 or something. You guys ran for 230 yards, if I'm correct. I mean, Selena Ahmed had like 122 yards. Buda had 86 yards. Uh, and it was an absolute nightmare. And one of the keys for this game is, obviously, with the retooled front seven for the Patriots, we cannot have a repeat of, you know, that game last year. You're going to have to essentially shut down the run game and see if Tua can actually beat you, right? Is Tua still going to be that check down Charlie guy? Or has he taken that next step this year and he's going to start aiming the ball out downfield? So we'll see how, how that matchup goes. Now, on the other end, like, you know, you said it burns yourself. The first pro star from McCorkle himself, like, pounce won't, the Pats won't ask him to do much. Um, he's going to have to be able to protect the ball and lean on a running attack. Damian Harris is probably going to have a big day. Uh, Stevenson, uh, James White, um, we'll see how much run those guys get. And, and then the bigger thing that I'm looking for is I'm really excited to see how Jonu and uh, Jonu, uh, Smith and Hunter Henry are going to fit into this offense, you know. Um, we're going to be running a lot of two tight end. Um, you know, are we going to try to emulate some of that old Gronk Hernandez, go down the seams and get some open balls to those guys? Um, so we'll see how that pans out. You know, I'm still going to take the Patriots to win this game, 21-17, low-scoring affair. Um, they obviously, they'll cover, but, you know, I don't feel good about it, right? I mean, we're at the point now where we can't just roll into a season and expect, you know, a win here, a win there. Um, it, everything is going to be a drag-out, you know, knuckle fight. And, and in the bigger scheme of things, you know, I've been kind of thinking about what I expect out of this team for the last two weeks, and I finally solidified it down to, you know, I expect this team to win somewhere between 10 and 11 games, um, get to the playoffs, um, win, uh, win at least one playoff game. And, you know, I've said it many times, but this is it. I mean, this is it for Bellafraud, right? He, he's got his quarterback. He's got a good enough roster. There's not many excuses left for him, and this is the year he's got to come through and actually perform. Um, I, I was uh, listening to the radio today, and I think one of the Boston guys was talking about how in the past, uh, you know, in the history of the NFL, there's been six teams that have spent $100 million in guaranteed money in free agency. Usually, with the exception of the Jets, usually those teams average five more wins. Um, the last time that happened was the uh, 2017 Bears, where they had four wins, and the next year they went out and spent like $100 million. And in 2018, they went, they went out there and won 12 games. So, so the, uh, you know... The blueprint's there. Um, we spent a lot of money this offseason. There's a lot of good talent on this team. You know, Belichick got his top 15 average quarterback. Let's hope so. And we'll see what he can do with that. Yeah, I'll just quickly touch on, like, your point about the run the run defense here. You know, they, they've completely revamped this mm-hmm. front seven. And it's – a comparison to last year for this front seven is, is not – wouldn't be fair in my eyes. I mean – they have Dietrich Wise, Lawrence Guy, and maybe Jawan Bentley are the starters that you know that were that were there last year. They added Davin Godshaw. They added Christian Barmore. They added Henry Anderson, Matthew Judon, who I'm very excited to see how he does. He had a great preseason. Yeah, Judon's going to be a problem, like in He's a good gonna, way, like in yeah, a, for, it, it, for opposing teams. Yep. Judon is going to be a massive. 
problem. And this and this and that's the way they're going to help out this secondary. Obviously, they're not going to have Gilmore for the first six weeks. And you know, I think Jay, you and I, we've talked. We're concerned about the performance of the secondary. You know how it was in the preseason at the end of last year. There was there, you know, supposedly the strength of that defense, and they really let them down. Um, but the best the best uh, way to help out your secondary is to generate a pass rush. And I think that they went out and they addressed that this year. You know, Matthew Judon exceeded my expectations. You know what I expected out of him in the preseason. I you know, I remember we were talking back in March when they signed him. It was like, well, they gave him a lot of money. You know, is he one-hit kind of guy? And, you know, he, he left right where he left off, and he was an absolute beast. He was in the backfield every play. We also had that injury scare with him, which was like, get him out of there. He, he was just – he was a menace, and I expect mm-hmm. that to continue through the season. And then, obviously, having the captain of the defense uh, – one of the captains of the defense, Dante Hightower, back in there, you know, after missing last year of with opting out, is, is huge for this team. And I'm very excited, to, you know, about this defense and what they're going to do. Now, listen, anywhere you look around on that front seven, there are some dudes, man. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. Uche and, you know, Perkins and Barrymore and Judon. And, I mean, this, this front seven is going to be absolutely nasty. Now, you know, obviously, like you said, the question becomes, you know, if Stephon Gilmore isn't there and, you know, J.C. Jackson is our number one uh, corner, how is the number two corner going to look? Is it going to be Jalen Mills? Can he actually play at, at a high level? Everything we've seen so far, and, and I hate the fact that I keep, I keep saying this, Puma, you're right about that. I mean, Jalen Mills mm-hmm. looks like he's absolute hot, gar- hot garbage. Um, so we'll see if, you know, in games he's different. But as of right now, and everything we've seen in the offseason, it looks like that number two cornerback spot is going to be something uh, that's going to be a big uh, issue for us down the road. I'd like to see Jonathan Jones step up into that role, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. He's been really good, you know, as like a number three in that defense uh, the past few years. I'd really love to see him step up because, you know, he's he's shown some flashes uh, in that secondary, you know, in the last year. You, you hit it, you hit it, uh, Jay, about Josh Uche. That guy seems to have taken a step forward from last mm-hmm. year, you know, in this preseason. So I'm excited well, to see what he brings to the table too. Well, there, there's, there's so many, like, great like talented guys on the mm-hmm. front seven that people like you know chase winovich might be on the outside looking in you know what i'm saying yep. and Wino can actually cause some cause some damage in the backfield so yep. i think that front seven is going to be absolutely nasty it's probably going to be top three when it's all said and done with the amount of pressure we're going to put on opposing quarterbacks and stopping the run game um you know i do want to ask you this down the road do you think Stephon Gilmore actually comes back in his place for us, right? I mean, or is it going to be one of those things where, you know, week six rolls around or week seven rolls around and Belichick's trying to trade him? What do you think is the end game with, with Stephon Gilmore? Well, me, I think I think he's going to come back and I think he's going to play for $7 million and then he's going to walk at the end of the year. Mm. That's what I think is going to happen. And I think he's it's, it's not like he's holding out where he's losing some of the money. He's on pup, so he's going to get his full $7 million. So he's going to get his full $7 million for playing, what is it? Uh, 11 games as opposed to playing the full 17. And I ultimately, me, personally, I'd love to see some, get something done, you know, extend him out at least another year and, you know, have him out there. And, you know, I, we, we talked about this a lot, about him, about this pup, pup list uh, for him being a hold-in where he's, he's healthy and he's, yeah. you know, this is a contract thing with him. I think there is an outside chance that there really is, you know, it is the injury that is keeping it out. And I know a couple of the guys on the, on the Boston radio have brought that up and saying that the injury is real and that it, it very well could be, uh, you know, injury related. I mean, obviously, the contract is front and center when you're talking about stuff on Gilmore. Yeah, I bet he'd be comments, pretty good if he got a new contract. Yeah. 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 Well, his comments over the summer, you know, yep. indicate that too. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's you know that's a good point. I wanted to bring that up, not to cut you off there, but Josina Anderson brought up when she was interviewing Stefan Gilmore about you know his availability for this upcoming season. He said, "I'll be ready if I need to be." Right, which kind of indicates that the contract is a bigger issue here. And Paul Perillo out of the uh, dot com crew kind of hinted on the radio that he's asking for almost double of like what his base salary is. Like he's asking for a ridiculously high number. And that's one of the reasons why we all can't even fathom, well, if it really is only three, four million dollars, like why don't the Patriots just go in and cut that check and call it a day? Well, I, I think what we're starting to see now is from what Paul Perillo said, I think he's asking for a ridiculous amount of money and the Patriots don't really want to entertain it. I mean, that, that's fine with me. And, you know, if this really is going to be his last season, I mean, at least at least if he's going to come back and play after those six weeks for the $7 million, he's he's going to be playing for his next contract. So you're going to get the best Stephon Gilmore you can get because he's got a lot riding on it at the end of the day. And if him doubling his salary and if the – he is what? He's what, 30, 31? Yeah, he's old. He's getting up there in age, too. So, like, I can understand the Patriots not wanting to commit, like, an extension to him, you know, a long-term extension for him, you know, with, with his contract. So, at least he, he's going to have to come back and play. I don't think it's going to be a scenario where you're going to see him uh, come off pup and then get traded because the Patriots are going to end up not getting value back for him for what he's actually worth. Yeah. So, I, I, think I think the way this plays out is that he's going to come back, play – the end of the season, you know, play to the end of the season, and then I think at the end of the day he's going to end up leaving yeah. New England, unfortunately, because I, I, I love Stephon Gilmore. And I know we hate saying this because obviously it, it can't possibly true be true, but I do think Bill Belichick mismanaged this whole situation. I do think Stephon Gilmore should have been traded last year, and they kind of flirted with that, you know, idea of trading him away, but they decided to keep him at the end of the day, and, and then obviously he got hurt and that threw a wrench in everything. But the way it's panned out, this guy is basically going to walk in the end of the year and you get nothing in return for him. He should have been traded last year. And obviously we all say Belichick moves on a year too early before before it's too late. And he should have done that with Stefan Gilmore as well. Well, I think that's I think that's a, a, a fair point. But I also think the other side of it is, why did they just, you know, move a bunch of the money up from this year to last year when they did it, as opposed to just extending him at that point? And I think that's a fair second guess as well. Like... Give him his money, you know, give him a real extension. Don't just move the money up, so to speak. You know, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I, and I think if they had extended him another year or two, that would be my max, two more years for him at the most. And, you know, because you know he's going to start to climb. I mean, obviously his peak, he hit his peak when he won Defensive Player of the Year. Is he going to still be that caliber guy coming back from a, you know, pretty pretty major injury with his quad? I mean, he, you know, that that, that can really impact your ability to move especially in the position that he plays. So uh, I can understand them not wanting to extend him. And I think that they obviously had a plan that he was going to be here this year. And I think that that's why they didn't trade him last year. Yeah. Uh, on the other end, Puma, like what's, what's some of your expectations for the, for the Dolphins going on? I know we always kind of run away with the, the train here on the Patriots. End. You know, I'm, I'm glad you asked because I was about <laughs> to say, before we move on to the next game, I got to get my Tua take on Let's record. Because I want to hear this. Let's hear this. We've been, talk we've about been, it. We've been talking about it. We've been talking about this offline, and I want to put this out there on, on the podcast, you know, radio waves, I guess you could say. Um, I want to see Tua throw the fucking ball downfield. And, like, I, I, I can live with interceptions. Like, I, I could live with picks if at least he's doing it, throwing the ball downfield to essentially what is a track team 
with Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, um, Jalen Waddell, Preston Williams, Mike Gusecki at tight end, who's really not a blocking tight end. He's one of those athletic hybrid kind of deals. Uh, you should be pushing the ball down the field. Like, I can live with the picks. If we're going to dink and dunk our way to the end zone, Alex Smith, death by a thousand razor blade style, I will fucking jump from a high place. I, I, I don't even care. You know what? I don't even care if it's like Jameis Winston 30 for 30. I, as long as you're pushing the ball down the field, I can live with that. But if it's death by a thousand razor blades, Jesus Christ, Stephen Ross, Cut the trade for Deshaun Watson. Let's get some guy that actually wants to push the ball down the field for guys that can actually, you know, stretch a defense and maybe open up the run game instead of stacking the box because the quarterback has no inclination to push the, the ball down the field. And Ryan Fitzpatrick ain't there anymore to break glass in case of emergency who has that YOLO ball tendency. Push the goddamn ball down the field. Open up the goddamn run game. Let's go. Let's stack some wins together. Here we go. Puma, Puma, think, let me ask you this. Do you think that they mismanaged last season with Tua? Do you think that that has any yeah. implication on him? Yeah. I think so because, I mean, when you are in the midst of it's at the time, I believe it was a two or three game win streak with Ryan Fitzpatrick, the team was really hitting on all cylinders, even on, like, defense with the pass rush, which was kind of non-existent the last couple of years. You know, they were buying into Fitz, and they were, you know, he was, he resurrected the career of Devontae Parker the year before. Everything was going great. And then they put Tua Tungavailoa in at quarterback, and he craps himself in front of, you know, he wins his first start, which, air quote, win, like, the, the team kind of carried him. He was dinking and dunking the whole time. And then they go to Denver, and he couldn't get out of his own way. They didn't even have him in there with a two-minute drill. They never did a hurry-up offense. They go to Ryan Fitzpatrick to save the day, and he almost comes back, except for throwing that back-breaking interception in the end zone. And then we saw it with the Raider game, where he started, and they they panicked. They pulled the, the ripcord on Tua. They put Ryan Fitzpatrick in there, and they won. So when you're getting yanked, when the game's on the line for a guy that clearly was performing better than you all season long, yeah, you've just completely bungled and neutered that kid's development. Like, if you're going to, like, do that, you might as well have put that kid in mothballs for the season, especially because of the hip injury, and just roll with Fitzpatrick. And if he throws 30 picks, he throws 30 picks. And if he gets you to the playoffs, he gets you to the playoffs. But, no, this was a management bungling of epic proportions, and now we're seeing it here. Because going coming out of the draft, I swear to God we're going to move to the Browns-Chiefs game, but going <laughs> in the draft, everybody was saying Tua is like a more mobile version of Drew Brees. The guy can run, but he can throw the football <laughs> through tight windows. It is September 7th, 2021, and they're already trying to run the kid out of town because... Mm -hmm. He doesn't have proper arm strength, and he throws in windows, which is what everybody fucking sold me on when we drafted him fifth overall, when I was banging the table for Andrew Thomas at, as the lineman at five, and then you come back in the top ten, and you get Jordan Love, who can fucking throw the ball down the field. All right, I'm done. Well, I was going to say, like, I definitely think that them starting and benching him on multiple multiple uh, situations really can hinder a guy's confidence mm -hmm. in terms of his, you know is in terms of building on that and I just was I glad you uh, you glad you agree with me for once on that 
Hey, I'm a fair man. <laughs> we call it like we see it. I call it like it is with my 120 proof whiskey, which you're going to need a lot this season if this <laughs> Death by a Thousand fucking razor blades. Well, I was, I was, uh, I was telling this to Bird before he came online, Puma. Like, I just, I just got this weird feeling that for some reason, and maybe this is, you know, go, it goes back to a 2008 Week One opener. With the uh, the Pats and the Dolphins, where you guys came out swinging with the Wildcat, we had no answer for it. I, I just got this weird feeling that you know, Tua's pinned into a corner here. You know, his head coach is trying to you know you know justify his, his pick. I feel like they're gonna come out swinging, man. I feel like you know he's gonna take advantage of some of our deficiencies in the secondary. Now, obviously, if the pass rush is getting to him, then you know it, it's, it's game over at that point. But if they can provide a little protection for him. And with the weekend secondary, I think that you might we might we might see some fireworks on, on Sunday, man. Yeah, I'm just gonna say, smoking Ricky Williams was on that 2018, and uh, in the words of Rick Pitino, he ain't walking through that door. <laughs> oh man, could you imagine that Monday up in Boston if we lose to the Finns week one? It's not gonna be good. Uh, uh, nope, nope. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the uh, Cleveland Browns traveling to where I had to take on the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday at four twenty-five. Um, you know, right off the bat, listen to have a realistic shot of the Chiefs uh, of the Browns winning this game. They're gonna have to run the ball very well with the uh, you know obviously Chubb and Hunt to shorten the game, uh, play sound play sound defense. You know, and essentially Baker's gotta be able to match point for point with Mahomes. You know, those three things seem very simple as you list them out, but they're much more hard to do in person. And the one thing that I was talking uh, with Bird before he came online, Puma, was you know I think the blueprint has been set by the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year in the Super Bowl, and even before that, the Raiders kind of played with this a little bit. You know, you play a, you play cover too high with uh, with your safeties, and you make Patrick Mahomes that Chiefs offense go like 12, 11, 13, 14 plays on long drives, and essentially you know have them. F- have them, you know, have some patience uh, before they score, right? If you get up the easy, you know, long play, that's when the Chiefs are most comfortable. And I've noticed with the Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, they don't want to run the ball. They don't want to take that small five-yard dump off. They want to go long and go deep quickly to score as soon as possible. So if you put them in that uncomfortable situation, I do think the Browns have a good chance of winning this. However, at the end of the day, it is the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> you are going to Arrowhead. Uh, I do think at the end of the day, the Chiefs are going to walk away with the win, probably in the realm of somewhere like 35-28. Um, but this should be a very interesting game to see. And if somehow the Browns pull this off, man, that is a big statement win to the NFL. The Browns are here and they're for real. Yeah, I'm going to go, I mean, right now the spread is Chiefs. I think it actually moved to six and a half. Uh, the over-under, yeah. I believe, is 53-54. Um, I'm going to be the contrarian. I'm going to go with the Browns. I, oh. I'm going with the Browns to win in in an Arrowhead, hostile crowd. That place is going to be bumping, that full house. But, I mean, here's my logic. The defensive line for – Granted, Jadavion Clowney has not had a season with double-digit sacks, but the dude can get pressure up the middle, and he can he can penetrate the pocket, and that's going to take some heat off of uh, Miles Garrett coming off the edge, and then the linebackers and whatnot too. We have you know Grant Delpit is actually going to start this year. He missed last season because he blew out his Achilles. Um, I, I I love this defense here. I think they're in a good spot. I mean. You know, we saw last year what happened with this offensive line for the Chiefs when Fisher and, uh, and, and and Mitchell Schwartz went down. You know, we can all laud about how they traded for Orlando Brown from the Ravens uh, and they signed Kyle, uh, Kyle Long uh, out of retirement to play offensive line for the Chiefs too. 
but until I see it, I'm going to have, you know, shades of the AFC Championship game where there were times where Patrick Mahomes looked uncomfortable, and then the Super Bowl where Mahomes looked like he had a really bad day at the office. Um, so I think they're going to have to generate pressure. They're going to have to shorten the shorten the game by running the ball, and, you know, you have Nick Chubb and you got Kareem Hunt up there. And I like what Baker Mayfield did last year. Now, the, the big thing is, how are they going to pick up where they left off now that Odell is back in the mix? Because we've been saying this for years, where this offense for the Browns, even before Kevin Stefanski, looked more in harmony when Odell wasn't there trying to get all the targets. And, oh, you know, uh, Baker Mayfield was able to spread the ball around to everybody. Is that going to continue? Is Odell going to get in his feelings if he doesn't get the ball, you know, X amount of times a game? Uh, so that's definitely going to be something to watch. But, again, I like the Browns this game. I think it's going to be an upset of the week. Uh, I think they win in Arrowhead. And we're going to see what happens with the Chiefs moving forward. Yeah, I mean, going into this game, obviously um, I was a big detractor on our uh, offseason season. Uh, podcast regarding the Cleveland Browns picking them last in the division. I've come around on this team a lot over the last few, uh, we'll say few months when we, uh, when we recorded that, uh, that podcast, uh, I love their running attack, uh, with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I, I think they're probably, you know, they're one of the best in the league. They have two of the best guys there, um, in the league. Nick Chubb is a beast carrying the ball. Obviously Odell Beckham Jr. is back. Uh, and you know, I, you, you can look back to the to the AFC, to the, the game they played in the, in the playoffs last year. You know, Cleveland should have won that game, and, you know, it, it just didn't work out for them. You know, they, they dealt with a hobbled Mahomes, ended up knocking them out of the game. And, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't finish it off. Um, I like what they're bringing to the table. You know, like I said, I've come around big time on this team. And this actually is going to be my take it to the bank game. I, I think Cleveland is going to win outright and, and obviously take, you know, cover the, the spread on this. Um their defense, obviously, they got Clowney and, you know, Miles Garrett is back. You know, they drafted kid Greg Newsom at corner. Uh, I, I, the question mark for me is going to be what this new new put-together offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs look like. They, like you said, Puma, they traded for Orlando Brown. They brought Kyle Long out of retirement. They also signed, you know, my, my guy Joe Tooney from the Patriots. You know, they gave him a lot of money. So, you know, we're going to see what that looks like. But uh, I – I've come around hard on this on this Browns team, and I think that they're going to end up walking away from this. One guy to watch in the uh, you know throughout the season for the Cleveland Browns for me is uh, receiver Donovan, Donovan Peoples Jones. Obviously, if Odell gets banged up again, I think that Peoples Jones could take another step forward. Wow! So you both uh, both of you guys got the Browns winning, huh? Wow, Burge, yep. we agreed on things back to back. Uh, well, miracle. not like game picks, but like how we agreed on like Tua and how we agreed on the Browns winning. Holy shit! There is a chance for world peace. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. Uh, put it all on black. I gotta go find a casino. Put it all on black here. My God, let's Jesus. go! I'll drive. I'll drive you. I'll, I'll drive up there. I'll pick you up. We'll go to Mohegan. Let's go. As long as we can stop at a Gamblers Anonymous uh, meeting on the way back. Oh, I, I already got like five unlocked. Don't worry about that. <laughs> of course, Puma, the resident degenerate, like I'll, I'll drive you up there, brother man. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I'll see the. I'll see the kid. I care more about the kid than you, Burge. And I'll say yeah. hi to Chantel. Be like, hey, I'm the reason why. You know, one of the reasons why Jay's the main culprit is why your husband's yelling at the at his. What phone I at do? Night. I did nothing. You breathed. That's what you did. Um. <laughs> oh, hey, re- real quick, real quick. 
we forgot to hit on uh, Parker's pick for the uh, the oh, Patriots game, and uh, he did pick the uh, the good guys, the New England Patriots, to win that game. And uh, for the Cleveland Browns Chiefs game, he also picked the Cleveland Browns to win the game wow. as well. Wow. So three Chiefs on picks the and one uh, three Browns picks and one Chiefs pick. Wow, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh. All right, um, and the last game uh, that we're going to discuss is the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Oakland Raiders on the Monday Night Football. Oh, Vegas, uh, Vegas. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're correct. The Las Vegas. Raiders. I'd rather they stay in Oakland because oh, the black man. hole, but they're playing in the Death Star, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, Puma, you got the floor, man. What you, uh, what you, what you take on this game? All right, my take on this game. Uh, so right now, the point spread is Baltimore uh, favorite by four points. The over-under, last I saw, was 51. Um, I, I, I woke up, in the words of Baker Mayfield, I woke up, I'm, I, I was feeling dangerous. I'm taking the Las Vegas Raiders uh, to, wow. to win this game outright. Um, it's it's a homecoming for the Raider fans. They opened that new stadium last year, but you couldn't. there was no fans in the stands. So this is actually going to be a homecoming event in Las Vegas. I mean, you got the nightclub in one of the end zones. You got Mark Davis lighting the torch with Al oh, on God. there. Oh, I mean, this is this place is going to be off the chain. Off the chain. Al Davis is going to crawl out of a goddamn casket, show up there, light the torch, yell just win, baby, go back in the dirt, and Derek Carr and Darren Waller and Brian Edwards are going to have themselves a day. Um, I mean, we, we all know about the old offensive line shuffle leading up to the draft. Mike Mayock basically got rid of everybody except uh, Richie Incognito, which I never thought I'd live to see the day. But Richie Incognito has been the stalwart of this offensive line the last couple of years. Um, you know, the, the heat's on. I mean, this team, you know, John Gruden and my, Spoiler for a couple of teams in the AFC West that are in playoff contention, but they need to make some noise. They need to make some noise fast. They're going to do it at home here. Now, granted, on the Baltimore side, if there was ever a time to see Lamar Jackson throw the football, mm -hmm. it is now because Las Vegas was pass. So there really is no excuse to not get you know, Sammy Watkins involved, the free agent acquisition, get Marquise Brown if he's able to go. I know he's been on the injury report, you know, throughout training camp, get him to go and burn down the field. I think this is going to be a shootout. Um, I think the Ravens defense took a step back without Matthew Judon there anymore. Um, the over-under is 51. I'm, I'm taking the over in this game, and like I said, I got the Raiders to win outright. So let's go. Take it to the bank. Raiders covering the four, winning outright. Take it to the bank. Wow. Wow. Puma. Jeez. <laughs> Going with the Las you know, Vegas Raiders, now, man. Now, John Gruden. Now that, we're, now that we're keeping track of picks, you know, I got to be a little contrarian here. I got to get ahead <laughs> in the win column. So let's go. Las Vegas, Derek Carr, take it to the bank, get in the win column. Let's go. Yeah, and before you go, Burge, uh, just a quick little update on the injury report. Looks like Josh Gate, Josh Jacobs was absent from his second straight practice today Great. Uh, for some unspecified reason and isn't expected to return to the field until Thursday um, is what the report says. So I don't know what that's all about, but that's definitely uh, a little uh, issue. Interesting. 
Well, hey, look at, looking at the Baltimore Ravens going into this game, this is a make-or-break-it year for Lamar Jackson. I think he really needs to show that he can throw the ball mm-hmm. um, and not just you know be a be a real threat on the ground. Obviously, we know what he can do on the ground. He's a he's a real threat to opposing defenses. Um, you know, I, I looking at the Ravens, I, I think that they might have to alter their approach a little bit this year. You know, they've been decimated on injury front with their running backs. You know, J.K. Dobbins was lost to the year for the year in a uh, in a preseason game. They just lost Justice Hill as well. Um, so, and and actually, I just saw that they ended up signing Le'Veon Bell to their practice practice squad. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, I like I like what the Ravens still bring on defense, even without Matthew Judon there. You know, they still have Marcus Peters, uh, Marlon Humphrey, Clayus Campbell. They still have you know some some big names on that on that defense, and and you know looking at you know transitioning to the the Raiders side. Obviously, we know that Darren Waller is going to get his looks and his touches and his touchdowns in this game. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with their with their receivers. You know, does Henry Ruggs take an, uh, take another step forward? Does you know, Brian Edwards, who's been, you know, you know, in my fantasy leagues, he's been kind of that deep sleeper for me. You know, he beat out John Brown for that number two spot in that uh, receiving core. Seeing what, uh, you know, does he take a step forward? Obviously, we, you know, like you said, Puma, you went on, you, you talked about their offensive line shuffle and obviously the concerns on defense. Um, I'm going to uh, take the uh, Ravens in this game. I, I like them to at least, co- um, you know, with the, you know, minus four, they'll, they'll cover that. And, uh, and they'll win outright. And I, I think that, you know, we're going to see a different Lamar Jackson going into this season. Yeah. Listen, I was going to lean towards the Ravens for picking this uh, picking this game. But I think, Puma, you, you might have swayed me, man. I think I'm picking the Raiders here. Um, I, I'm starting to lose a lot of faith in Lamar Jackson. Um, we thought last year he was going to take this big jump, uh, uh, you know, forward and become this great passer. Well, not a great passer, but definitely you know, improve his passing ability. You know, we've seen other quarterbacks do it. Uh, we've seen Josh Allen improve his completion percentage drastically. And, and I was really hoping to see that from Lamar Jackson last year. What, wasn't there a story this offseason that uh, Jim uh, John Harbaugh didn't want people to videotape some of the throwing that was going on in camp just because of how bad Lamar Jackson looked? Or am I not making that up? Uh, I didn't hear that. Oh, you didn't hear that? Okay. Puma, are you still there? Puma might, uh, Puma might be taking a little break. But listen, in regards to you know the uh, the passing ability of, of Lamar Jackson, you know he he rushes for more than he throws, and that's never a good combination to have uh, for your for your quarterback. You know, right now it's fine because you know he's younger. He still runs a four three forty yard dash, but as he gets older and he slows down, and that four three becomes mm-hmm. a, a four five, then some of those you know some of those you know. Uh, hits start to add up on, on your body. So I really think he's got to develop that, that passing ability because if he doesn't, then he's looking like a career like Cam Newton, right? Where essentially he, he basically never evolved that throwing ability and had to rely on his athleticism. So we'll see how that pans out. On the other side, Las Vegas, man, like I'm looking forward to see Josh Jacobs and Kenny Drake together, that one-two yeah. punch. I want to see how those guys essentially bring the running attack. Um, you know, obviously they lost Nelson Aguilar to the Patriots, so is Henry Ruggs going to step up and fill that void? Darren Waller, the dude's an absolute beast. The dude's a monster. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how he does. Um, but listen, I, I think I'm picking. I'm picking the uh, the Raiders here, man. I thought I was going and picking the Ravens, but you know, Puma's very persuasive. So give me the Raiders. Someone in the realm of like a 31 to a uh, 27, we'll call it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, works for me because I cover. 
I'll say by this the way, part, part, by the way, the, the the mic cut out, so my bad, my bad. I don't know what <laughs> yeah, the hell happened there. No problem, but well, I was I was just trying to ask you a question, Puma. Was did I make this up, or was John Harbaugh trying to shield some of the videos coming out of camp because of how bad Lamar Jackson looked throwing the ball? So I don't know if it was because of how bad Lamar looked. I definitely know he was trying to limit video access to their practices. Um, so I, I think it was just trying to keep keep the passing game under under wraps. And I mean, we saw that we saw that you know into his MVP season. He was trying to limit how much video access there was mm-hmm. as well too. Um, but I mean, you know, when you have stuff like that from John Harbaugh and then you got comments from Lamar Jackson saying, oh, well, the league hasn't figured me out yet. Well, you're right. Like you, we, they can't really stop you on the ground. You're an elite specimen running the football. But at the end of the day, I mean, we saw this with Cam Newton. We talked about this last week. Mm-hmm. If you're just going to rely on the ground game and your athletic ability down the road, when you lose a step, when you're trying to run the football, you're going to have to rely on your pocket presence. And if you're going to neuter that development, then you're going to end up like Cam Newton a couple of weeks ago, and he ends up getting cut, and everyone wonders where he's going to go. So, um, yeah, he's going to have to he's going to have to air it out. And you know, it's like Bigfoot; you hear it exists, but you're not quite sure. This is the third, fourth year now where we keep hearing about Lamar Jackson taking the step forward, throwing the football, and I haven't seen it yet. So. Let's see. If, if he doesn't come out against this 28th-ranked pass defense for the Raiders and doesn't at least throw up, like, 300 yards and two touchdowns, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I really don't. I mean, I, I will say this. I mean, you look at his completion percentage, you know, very close to what he had last year uh, in 2019, his MVP year. I mean, he had a 64.4% completion percentage last year as opposed to 661 in his MVP season. I, and he, he also threw the ball less last year than he did uh, in his you know MVP season. So it's going to be a matter of for me too uh, is to see what kind of plays they call for him to 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 kind of get him to throw the ball. I mean his average per per attempt is a, it was essentially the same. Um, so it's gonna it's gonna be for me as if these weapons can get open and he can find them as opposed to him just tucking it and running it every time. Yeah. I mean, he passed for 27.57 last year, and then he mm-hmm. ran for another 1,000 uh, yards. So, yeah. you know, he's getting to that same production number as most quarterbacks in that 3,700-yard range, but he's just doing it differently, right? He's doing it more with more rushing and less throwing. So if that number bounces out, let's just, you know, take down the rushing yards to 500 uh, this year and add 500 more to his passing yards, 32, 33, I think that's going to do wonders for the longevity of his career. I agree with that, yep. Absolutely. Uh, And then the last point I want to make on this, and I think Puma, you hit on this as well, was, you know, this is the year that the John Gruden stick has to work, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, his heat's not hot yet, but it's definitely getting lukewarm. And, you know, coaches like him and Bella Florida just like one year away from (laughs) having some extreme heat on them. So, you know, this is the year that these, you know, these lame average coaches need to perform, you know? Wow, it's like Colin Cowherd guest guest yeah, appeared. Yeah, definitely. That's all on the Pro Football Cowherd. Radio oh podcast. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What's what's wrong about that take? I mean, he he's not. It's not hot yet, but it's lukewarm. A year from now, if both of them don't have good season, you don't think the the heat's gonna be turned up? Like they're talking about it now on Boston Radio. There's a chance it could happen, bro. You just you just had you just had to throw that in there. That's that that's the point we're making on this with the Colin Cowherd aspect of it. Let's be honest. Oh, it's not it's not what I'm saying. It's just how it delivered, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes. 
my well, didn't, god! Didn't, wait, didn't didn't the, didn't the Raiders sign John Gruden to some like ridiculous contract? It wasn't like a ten year ten year ten year contract and part ownership of the team, and he makes more of most of his money now in Vegas because one, it was backloaded, and two, there's no income tax in Nevada. <laughs> smart, smart man. It was what ten year, hundred million dollar guaranteed, fully guaranteed, and ten percent of the equity of the of the team, right? Yep. That is so, so when you say like the, the the hot seat the hot seat for him, I I even I think if Mike Mayock's hot seat yeah, is red hot, especially after I mean you look at the 2018 draft. I mean Mike Mayock's lucky the Giants took Daniel Jones at six because Cleveland Farrell was a colossal failure right now unless he is going to evolve into Bruce Smith this year. Um, Jonathan Abrams can't stay healthy. He can't stay out of his own way, and he's probably one of the worst safety coverage, uh, you know, cover safeties next to Jamal Adams when you put Jamal back there to actually defend the pass. And they just cut some Cle- uh, some dude from Clemson, the linebacker. I forget his name because clearly he wasn't that important to me. But he was a special teams ace. He went from he's from Clemson. He was a third round pick. They cut him to make room for KJ Wright. Like you know, it, Mike Mayock was going for like these high character guys, which you know is is you know admirable. But at the end of the day, like you need to be able to win a football game. Like Cleveland Farrell mm-hmm. is not it. Cleveland Farrell is not it. He can't just draft everybody from Clemson because of Dabo Sweeney. That's all I'm saying. So Mike Mayock's seat is more nuclear red hot than than John Gruden's right now. Okay, only well, only because the Davis family. I don't think they're going to fire John Gruden again. Okay. Well, or get rid of them. Well, let's not call it lukewarm or hot. Let's just say this, the John Gruden like stick needs to work. I mean, like he has underperformed. We can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this year a lot of eyes are going to be focused on on him to see how he performs, you know? It's pretty well, sad when fa- Jack Del Rio did better than he did. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Plus, I, plus, I really just want any excuse to just lob Bella Fraud in there somehow. I was going to say. <laughs> we all know what you're doing. We all know what you're doing. <laughs> Real quick before we move off, uh, Parker's pick for this game, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, mm, okay. okay. All right. Father-son duo. Got it. Uh, <laughs> I got to back my kid up. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Well, All right. I'll go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I was uh, going to hit on the best bets, at go least my it, tickets that I got this week. So, right now, across the week one slate of the NFL season, yours truly, DePuma, made his first pilgrimage down to the uh, Montvale <laughs> rest stop in, uh, in Montvale, New Jersey. The Montvale the casino, uh, <laughs> if your sister's listening. Um, so my week one best bets, uh, tickets that I have personally, I got the Washington football team plus one against the uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. Listen, we all love Justin. We all love Justin Herbert. But the fact of the matter is, is this is a top three defense for the Washington football team. This is probably the best offensive skill set that Ryan Fitzpatrick has ever had. And even if he's just average, this defense is going to be able to carry the team the rest of the way and hold on to a lead. Um, I think this defense is going to give Herbert some fits at times, especially with the new head coach uh, in Staley. Give me Washington plus one. I already went through Tampa Bay. I'm taking. I'm laying the seven and a half points. I'm taking the over in the Dallas game too. Uh, I have more exposure to Washington. I put them in a teaser with the Miami Dolphins. So I teased the Washington football team up to seven points, and I teased the Miami Dolphins up to eight and a half. 
Um, I like the under in the Houston game, Houston-Jacksonville. I mean, granted, both defenses are bad, but both offenses are going to be horrid. Um, nothing was inspiring from Urban Meyer's offense in preseason, um, unless he's going to rip the Band-Aid off and just have LaVisca Chenault run all over the place with Marvin Jones and they, you know, Trevor Lawrence can actually get a semblance of an offense going. I'm going to take the under in the Houston game. I'm taking the under in the Rams-Bears game. The last three years, it's been a sloppy defensive game for all the high-flying offenses of Sean McVay. I think the Bears defense is going to keep it close. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. My take to the bank, Raiders plus the four and the over in the Raiders-Baltimore game. Uh, I got it at 51.5, so those are my best bets. And if you want a future bet, right now on the unofficial official sportsbook of the Pro Football Radio Podcast, DraftKings Sportsbook, if you want to put a couple of shekels down for the Washington football team to win the NFC East at plus 200, I think that's going to be money well spent and money well earned at the end of the year when you cash that ticket in. Money in the bank. Take it Money to the in bank. the bank. Take it to the bank. Let's go. Cha-ching. All right. And then the final segment of the day, back by popular demand, Fantasy Bullets with Burge. Now, Burge, I got a couple of questions for you. Let's start with the outlook on Kenny Galladay as a either wide receiver two or three. So give me your rundown on what you think about Kenny Galladay uh, as he's stacked on my roster. Look, for, for, for Kenny Galladay, it's, it's, it's a thing of where, where you're drafting him. You know, we're just going through all our drafts right now. Uh, he, he's a guy that, that could go either way here. Obviously, he, he's playing with, you know, Danny Dimes down there in, in the, uh, the New York football team, New York Giant football team down there. What's he going to do? Is he going to get on the ball? Obviously, they drafted Kadarius Toney pretty high uh, in that offense. He's still got uh, Darius Slayton and, and Sterling Shepard down there. They spent a lot of money on him, so i got to think that they're going to get him involved. Uh, he's not a guy that I'm relying on on a weekly basis to be in my starting lineup. He's a guy that I would bury on my bench, you know, a bi-week filler. Um, he, he, he scares me. I'll just say that, and uh, I would not recommend anybody go out of their way to, uh, you know, start him in your lineup. If there's anybody else out there in your drafts, such as, you know, people ranked around him, OBJ, Chase Claypool, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, you know, I'm taking all those guys over Kenny Galladay down there. Okay, okay. Uh, and then the other question I have for you uh, for my starting lineup I've got one spot open, my flex spot, and I got four players to fill it with. So I'm going to rattle these names off to you real quick. Uh, Rohim Mostert is playing the Detroit Lions. Uh, he's projected to get 11 points. Uh, LaVisca Chenault playing the Houston Texans, 10 points. Uh, Ronald Jones playing the Dallas Cowboys, 9.1 points. And Chase Claypool is playing the Buffalo Bills, uh, projected to get 9.47 points. So who out of those four is going to be my last flex start? So this is a PPR league, correct? No PPR. No PPR. Okay. Oof. Oof. That makes it a little tougher. It makes me want to lean towards uh, the running backs. Probably, I if I'm starting one of those four, uh, one of those four in uh, non PPR standard format, I'm probably going with Raheem Mostert. Uh, reason being is it's week one. You know the San Francisco 49ers are a run heavy team. And, you know, you're going to expect that he's going to get out there. He's going to be the starter. He's going to get a majority of the of the reps. Now, if we're talking this question in week, say, 12, 
I'm fading Raheem Mostert big time because I think Trey Sermon is going to eventually take over that role in San Francisco. But for week one, I'm going with I'm going with Raheem Mostert. Ronald Jones is a guy that really scares me, and I would not start him week one altogether just because you know you know what the Tampa Bay offense is. They have Brady. They have all those receiving targets. They're going to throw a lot. They also have Leonard Fournette, and they just signed um, Gio Bernard down there. So. I, I, if it's me, I'm going with uh, with Raheem Mostert in that in that scenario. And no concern of it being that running back by committee for San Fran, or is it one? Of those no, I think I think he's going to get the early down. He's going to get a lot of the work. Um, you know, in a standard format, I always like to flex three running backs over the wide receivers because the receivers in standard formats are kind of hit or miss. You're kind of relying on a touchdown to really make your make your day. Otherwise, you're you're relying on a hundred yard performance out of that receiver. So I would go with, the, with the running back there. And if you're going to, if you were going to choose a receiver out of that week one, I'm going with Chase Claypool. So he'd be my number two out of that, out of that group. All right. So it looks like uh, I have moved Raheem Mostert into the last flex spot. Um, check out my two running backs and two flexes is Christian McCaffrey, Najee Harris, Damian Harris, and Raheem Mostert. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I think you're I in like good shape. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all the questions I have. Puma, you got any uh, fantasy questions? Raj, the only one I is um like what who for the week one slate? You know, it's obviously it's super early. Like, who are some guys that you like? Call it a start sit them. Like, who are the guys that you're going to be firing up? You know, week one. You know, not the guys like. Terry McLaurin or anything like that, like some kind of like mid-pack guys. I guess you could say sleepers with some upside. What are you looking at for for some pass catchers that you want to fire up week one? So, so uh, you know, you're going to call me biased here, but I think one that one that you're going to want to throw out there, especially in PPR formats, is Jacoby Myers. He he he's he would be a guy I would consider a sleeper. Um, you know, I think he's going to be the safety blanket for Mac Jones in the Patriots' offense this year. He's going to be the guy catching a lot of balls. Probably not going to get you a lot of touchdowns, which is why I wouldn't say he's good. He would be good in a standard format, but I think he's going to catch a lot of balls for that team. You know, another guy. You know, this is a hit or miss one too. Is Brandon Cooks? You know, he's ranked pretty low. You know, in uh, in the fantasy rankings, just because of the team he's on. A lot of question marks down there in Houston, but he is the number one guy down there, and they don't really have much else besides him. So week one, you know, with not having to worry, be concerned about concussions at this point, you know, you're kind of just rolling out your best lineup. Who knows? He may get popped the first play. Who knows? But he'd be a guy that, you know, you can throw in there, and, you know, he's going to be catching the ball from Tyrod Taylor there as well. Awesome. Now, to follow up on your, your Jacoby Myers take, so for a flex, would you you have Chase Claypool going up to Buffalo or you have Jacoby Myers at home against the Dolphins? Who would you fire up in those two? Uh, and those two, I mean, I'm going with I'm going with just a safe play of, of Chase Claypool there. You know, Pittsburgh, you know, you know what their offense is. He's going to catch some balls. He's going to be a threat to get in the end zone, you know, every week at this point. You know, he's a big play guy. So I, I, as a safer play, until we see what the Patriots' offense is actually going to, going to look like this year, because we really have no idea at this point. It's going to be completely different from what we saw last year. Uh, I would, I would, I would go with a safer play and chase Claypool there. Absolutely. Nice. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, anything else you want to get to, Brody, before we plug it up and call it a day? 
No, I think that's good. You know, I'm. Uh, you know, I'll report back next week to see how how good my uh, my picks were and how good my fantasy teams did uh, in week one. I got some high expectations for a couple of my teams, so we'll see how it goes. Cool, cool. It's gonna be great. Swapping the war stories. Can't wait. He's either gonna be uh, jubilance or it's going to be massive depression. We'll see. <laughs> Yeah, four twenty-five can't get soon enough. Can't get here soon enough, man. Uh, Ready to watch it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just can't it. wait to park myself in front of the TV from one o'clock and just watch football all day. Red Zone, all of it. Can't wait. I got the two TV set going. It's gonna be awesome, you know. Right to watch. Right to watch this new era of Patriots football. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. You better fucking win, Bella yeah. Fraud. You better win. <laughs> oh, uh, Jesus Christ. Put me, you want to plug it up? Let's call it a day. Yeah, let's plug it up. Get it, uh, get it over with. I got to go to an AA meeting with some more whiskey, and I got to go to a Gamblers Anonymous meeting too. Um, all jokes aside, all jokes aside. Seriously, if anyone has problems out there, obviously go get help. Go to AA. Uh, if you have a gambling problem, feel free to go and call one eight hundred Gambler. I am not advocating any gambling issues or alcohol problems. Uh, it's all tongue-in-cheek for anybody in 2021 that gets in their feelings about a joke. Um, so, this episode of the podcast and previous episodes of the podcast can be found on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts. Be sure to leave a five-star review, leave a question, we'll probably answer it on the next upcoming episodes of the podcast if you leave a question but definitely leave a five-star review it helps with some algorithm and you know they carry a one out there in palo alto california and it helps with our exposure to the rest of the masses social media wise facebook instagram pro football radio podcast twitter at pfr podcast i'm on twitter brando underscore puma the captain of the ship jay chima is on twitter at jay chima and our senior analyst senior contributor and the father of the little guy, the apple of his eye, Parker, Eric Burgess, a.k.a. The Burgess, on the Twitter machine, at Burge the goalie. I know I say it all the time, but it's really no lie. You want to see him go hard in the paint against anybody talking shit about Tuka Rask, anybody talking, uh, you know, defending uh, Adam Jones, or he just wants to see uh, see him go hard in the paint against the, the captain of the ship, Jay Chima, give him a follow. Burge the goalie on the Twitter machine. And that's all I got for plugging, unless I missed something, or Liz Taylor, if you got something you want to say, and then we'll get out of here. <laughs> Poo, I was just waiting for Coach Connect 4 so I can lose it again. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. the, the captain the captain of the ship, also with the, the master of the nicknames, Bella Fraud, Bella Shit, Connect 4, Chestnut Checkers, <laughs> Bella Hitler. That was actually my favorite one you said offline. Uh, oh my yeah, God. the captain of the ship, Jay Chima, the pride and joy of Columbus, Ohio. If you need help with a nickname on anything, slide up in Jay's DMs at Jay Chima. He will come up with some magic for you. All right, quickly, boys. I was just I was trying to explain to you know to Brandon that the Asante Samuel like remarks. Oh, it did cause a little ripple. It did have people talking about it. I saw it getting some national traction. And for me, I'm taking a, a little bit of a, uh, I'm, t- I'm taking pleasure on a little victory, you know. And I was equating it to, you know, the Allies didn't beat Hitler and Germany in oh one day God. punch. Oh, my it God. It was little, little wins at a time. And the Asante Samuel win was a small one. But little by little, we will take down Bella Hitler, okay? It will happen someday. <laughs>
Listen, listen, you, you realize you haven't heard anything from Asante Samuel the last week, right? Since that happened, all right? I mean, he did the listen, mic drop. Listen. He did the mic drop because they were talking about oh, okay. a good morning oh, okay. football for 15 minutes yesterday. Dude, this, okay. this thing got some okay. traction. It was everywhere. I was like, oh, wow, this is nice. I like this. Listen, when I come down and, and actually meet you in person in October, I'm going to school your ass at Connect Four, all right? You, be, you best bet. Wait. I'll put money down on that shit. I'll put money down on it. I'll, I'll buy the, the – oh, man. Oh, man. Burns is going to bet. All right. Here we go. Bet that harder in cash. <laughs> and on that note, before we get the hell out of here, Freddy Soliotis, you're fired. Enjoy week one, guys. Talk to you next week. Fire Condos!